Hey everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament. And today we are in Revelation 10. We have just seen the blowing of the fifth and sixth trumpet in Revelation 9, which brings us right to the consummation of the age at the final judgment. But before the final judgment and the consummation happens, we get another interlude between the sixth and seventh trumpet, just like we did between the sixth and seventh seal. And these interludes primarily serve to denote the protection of God's people in spite of the judgment and wickedness going on around them. And most of that will be laid out in Revelation 11. But in Revelation 10, we see the introduction to this interlude in a way that much reflects the same kind of language that we find in Daniel chapter 10 and Ezekiel 2, where John is now called to eat the little scroll, which is a picture of him being commissioned with a prophetic message, just like Daniel was and Ezekiel was. John is receiving power to continue the ability to prophesy of the realities to come. Though John's role is unique, he is still in many ways an example and pattern for the church's witness. The church must take to heart the message of the book, live by it, and be ready to communicate its implication to peoples and nations, languages, and kings. That is the picture of taking the scroll and having to speak its revelation to the world. So let's read Revelation 10 and and make a few more comments as we get to the end. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded, And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to the heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, and there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel... The mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I heard again from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, it made my stomach bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So here we see another mighty angel appearing. And this time he reflects the fact that he has come from the throne room. He has a rainbow over him. His face is like the sun, legs like pillar of fire. And many will look at this and say that this is a picture of Christ himself, but but it isn't. It's the fact that this angel has come from Christ. He's come from him, and that's why the message he brings is that of a lion roaring. It is from the lamb himself, the lion himself. The message of the scroll is the message of the lion. It is the revelation of of Jesus Christ, which is further being unfolded. And John is asked to eat it in the midst of it. And we'll talk about the description of what it says there. Now, notice though, first he says, when he called out, the seven thunder sounded. 
And when I heard the seven thunders, I sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Now, this is fascinating because this would have made a fourth set of seven judgments which would have been pronounced, which actually comes out of Leviticus, where God talks about in his his covenantal curses of bringing sevenfold uh, uh, sins, four times uh, sevenfold or seven woes against those who are his covenant breakers. And, and there are four sets of those sevenfold woes in Leviticus. And so this would have made four sets of seven a, a real clear picture. But notice, he is not allowed to talk about them. He's told to seal it up and not write anything about them. And the reason why I like that is because in light of the fact that God has still given us so much in Revelation, a clear picture of the nature of the present age we live in, of the realities of what the end of the age will come with, the reality that we are kept and preserved by Christ throughout this age, the glorious picture of the consummation to come. God's given us all we need to live in faith, to have hope of the victory of the Lamb. Nevertheless, there is revelation which God has kept sealed up from us. And and that's so important because the idea is, is that there are realities and ways in which God has has is going to bring forth truth that we have no idea about. There is going to be realities of the nature of his of his judgment, of his purposes, of his plan that we will not know until he does them. And he is God, and the secret things belong to the Lord, but that which is revealed belong to us. And so it's just that important thing that we always submit and surrender to the mystery of the reality that God will judge perfectly and rightly in his own way and his own timing. And we we press into what we know to be true, what he has revealed, and find peace and rest in that while we surrender to him whatever mystery is left, not adding in where God has not spoken. I love what uh, John Calvin once said, where God ceases to speak, so should we. And so then he hears that as he looks at this angel and he sees a little scroll, he is told to take and eat it. Notice what is said. It said it will make your stomach bitter, but it will taste sweet as honey. Now that's powerful because that is a clear picture of the reality of the fact that this is God's word. Psalm 19, Psalm 119 are both seen where the word of God is referred to as sweet as honey to the taste. But once John would digest the scroll, he discovers that its message is bitter. That is because it comes with dire warnings and judgments. The reality of what has come. Eating the scroll is a vivid metaphor for the way in which the prophet then or even uh, uh, earlier than him could only speak God's word insofar as it became part of the prophet's own life. In order to give the word, you have to devour it. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot proclaim what you have not partaken of. And that is the reality. Before we can ever give the word, we must digest it. We must take it in in order to give it all rightly to the people. Its words are sweet as honey to us, the pictures of hope and salvation. But the reality of judgment And the reality that there are many who will not receive this message, who will not take it, leaves a bitter taste, a bitterness in our stomach, and the reality of the judgment to come. We are not bitter that judgment will happen, because judgment is just. We celebrate God's judgment. It is bitter in the reality of so many 
who because of their hardness will not receive the precious sweetness of God's salvation and partake of it for life everlasting. That is a bitter pill to swallow, a reality that many will cast aside Christ and do so at the cost of their own eternity. But as for us who will not, we are called to devour the Word. Brothers and sisters, may we eat the scroll of the Word. May we digest it regularly. May we put it before us daily. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. May we feast upon the Word in order that we might rightly give it to others the way that John did. God bless.